Today's episode of the Dad Tired Podcast is brought to you by Samaritan Ministries. Samaritan Ministries is a biblical solution to healthcare where hundreds of thousands of Christians across the nation bear one another's medical burdens through prayer and financial support. It's not insurance and there are no network restrictions, which means you choose the doctors, treatments, and hospitals that are right for you. Medical bills are sent to Samaritan Ministries and they notify members to pray and send money directly to you to help pay those bills. It's affordable with a sharing program that could fit your budget and you can join today. Samaritan Ministries is always there to help you choose a quality healthcare provider, to price medical procedures, and 24-7 access to medical professionals by phone or email to get medical advice before you visit the doctor, which is going to save you time and money. When you think about Samaritan Ministries, you think about the verse in Galatians 6-2, which says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If you'd like to learn more about this amazing community, you can go to SamaritanMinistries.org slash dadtired. Again, that's SamaritanMinistries.org slash dadtired. Well, Mike and Melissa, so glad that you decided to hang out with us today. I was just making the joke before we hit record that you guys have been married for a long time and you are in totally separate areas, it looks like. So I'm glad to facilitate a date for you here. This is the um, best date we can do right now, I think. Yeah. 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 With all the craziness of life. Did I get that right? 20 plus, 25 plus year? Where, where are you at? On this, this is our 25th year, wow. 2022. Yep. Oh my yeah. goodness. I, that makes me feel like totally a rookie husband right now. I, I've been married for 12, I guess coming on 13 years, but what would you say? to yourselves in year number one? And then what would you have said to yourself maybe in year number 12, where I'm at? <laughs> On the year 12, I'll say that you can always find someone who's been married longer than you. So I know that 12 doesn't sound like a lot when you compare it to someone who's 25, but I know people have been married 50 and it makes me feel like mm. a rookie. So to the people married 12 years, you know, be thankful and don't underestimate 12 years of faithful marriage. It's yeah. uh, maybe more and more rare these days than, than we might know. Mm. You know, I still think that's a notable milestone too. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, I, God has been gracious to us and uh, the podcast listeners have heard my story a bunch of times, but yeah, there are many times where it could have gone sideways and God was gracious to keep us together mm. and, and he's been faithful to us. So yeah, thank you for saying that. What about on year one? What would you have said to you if you could go back to year one of marriage? I would say it really is going to work out and get better. <laughs> you know, cause I think the first year can be really hard. Yeah. We're learning how to merge two lives. Mm-hmm. And I know for us, it involved a move away from family and friends. And it was a great year, but it was definitely a year where I saw my own selfishness. I saw how I want things the way I want them. You know, it's just yeah. the first time you're really living with another person. That's not just a roommate that you can get out of it. If this roommate situation doesn't work out, I'll just move on to another one. And what I would say is you have to go through some of those hard times to get to the sweetness of 25, because right now, I mean, I would also tell that if I was talking to myself, I'd say you pick the exact right one. It's just going to get sweeter and sweeter with each year. And that's what I've honestly experienced is just, oh, now we've shared all this life together. So I really when I think about Mike and I think about our life together, he's the other half of all my memories and so much. And that's just a joy to have with someone. 
And so even though you go through these hard times, those are even the times you look back and laugh. Like we had a lasagna fight our first year of marriage and we now laugh. Oh yeah. The lasagna fight, you know, it becomes part of your share. Was, was that mean like you actually, like when I picture yeah. lasagna fight, I feel point like you're throwing lasagna, you're throwing lasagna uh, at each other. Yeah, point <laughs> of clarification. Kind of Which would be awesome. Not, there was no lasagna involved in the fight in, in the sense that being thrown or anything. <laughs> Just to fight over the lasagna. Over the lasagna. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've, uh, how, <laughs> how hilarious is it? all of us that have just looked back at some of our blow ups and like, man, that was that really the uh, tipping point for us? <laughs> the yeah. lasagna? Yeah. 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 That was 90% well, of fights, I think, are over little things. Yeah. Usually pent up stuff in it, the tipping point seems to be something real silly, but it, it, usually some kind of bitterness or unspoken expectation that wasn't met for a while that finally blew up over the lasagna <laughs> or something like that. I would say, you know, in the first year of marriage, answering that question too, I, I would say that like so much of marriage is practice. I think sometimes we get on early in marriage and you just like, well, this isn't, maybe I married the wrong person or this isn't, I didn't, this wasn't like I was going to think it was. Well, you got to practice how to like disagree. You know, you got the fact that you're fighting doesn't mean that you, you married the wrong person or that you're disagreeing doesn't mean you married the wrong person. Just you got to learn what it looks like to die to yourself and to figure out how do I serve this person? How do I set aside my own preferences? Like so much of it is just uh, practice. I, I tell a lot of my friends who just are getting married, like just keep practicing. You'll get better at learning how to communicate. You'll get better at laying down your preferences and all that stuff. But anyway, it's fun to sit with you guys and uh, someone who's ahead of me and, and just see even, even just in your faces, just to see the joy and sincerity and, and how you love each other. I know that you've written a lot of stuff and you guys got all kinds of great resources out, but one of the newest books that you have out is five prayers for your spouse. This is something we talk about a lot in our dad tired ministry about how important it is to pray with your spouse. I remember one time I asked a guy or I asked our dad tired audience, what do you think keeps you from praying with your spouse more regularly? And one guy said, he's afraid that what might come up if he offers to pray with his wife. <laughs> and I thought that was a really honest I appreciated his humility and his, his transparency in that. And, and he just said, I avoid it because I'm afraid that if I, if I say, Hey, do you want to pray that it's just going to open up a can of worms? <laughs> Have you heard that before? Like, what do, what are your thoughts on that? What would you, I guess, say to that guy? I'm not sure I've ever heard anyone articulate it that way, but I think he's hundred percent correct. Um, prayer is an intimate thing and it's not just intimacy with God. When you're praying with somebody, you're intimate with them. And that's true for two members of a church praying together. It builds a relationship. But in marriage, it's even more intimate, obviously, because now you're praying about and for the needs in your marriage and for one another. And suddenly it brings up this question, well, how are we doing? How is our marriage? How is our life? What that guy said is, is absolutely correct. You can't pray without facing those things, which is one of the reasons that spouses need to pray together, because you have yeah. to face those things. Yeah. Yeah. How, yeah I hadn't how, heard that either, but I would say... Just to encourage anyone who kind of feels that way, oh, I don't want to bring up these things. I know from the wife's point of view, she will feel cared for just because you said, hey, can we pray? Mm. Even if there are all these things, because a lot of times, I mean, and we've seen this in our marriage, and I don't know if this is true of all men, but I'll say a lot of guys, it seems, want to fix things. Yeah. And prayer is this ultimate, I can't fix things. And actually, 
it's just an acknowledgement of that. Like, let's ask the Lord to fix these things because, you know, it could be things with your children. It could be things with the house you're trying to buy. I mean, it could be a ton of different things. And I think it's natural that we go to, how can I fix it first? But it really turns our dependence both on the Lord. And that's actually a great way to care for your spouse either way. It's just to say, hey, I don't expect you to fix this. And I know that we just, but the best thing we can do is be praying that the Lord would work in this. I think that's such a valid point too for our kids, right? Like when daddy prays, he's acknowledging that he's not the God of the family. I can't, daddy can't fix everything. Daddy is not in control of everything. And so we have to go to the father who is. And so I think that I love that same thought for our marriage. Like that as your husband, I'm not going to pretend to be the guy who's got all the answers here. We need to go to someone who's better than me and uh, who's more faithful and has more wisdom than I do. I love that answer. Have you guys like, has prayer been part of your marriage from day one? I guess, what does prayer look like for you guys? Is it a daily thing, a morning thing, a weekly thing? What does it look like? Well, I think works is excited about this book as everybody else we hope is excited about this book. I mean, sometimes you write books for other people and sometimes you write them for yourself and sometimes you write them for both. And I think this is a both in the sense that we certainly obviously have written for folks out there who can be blessed by it, but we, we, will, we plan to use this book mm-hmm. to fil- facilitate our prayer life because everybody's prayer life is never all that they want it to be. And one of the things I think everybody struggles with in prayer is having a plan, yeah. having a, a structure rather than just the generic, what are your prayer requests? It actually gives some concreteness to it. And so I think the book is a great tool for that reason. Now, in our family, we have morning prayer with our whole family together every morning. Oh, wow. And, and um, Melissa may say something about that, but she gets the credit for helping build a structure around that prayer time as a family. And I think that probably fed a lot of the structure in the book. Tell me about, yeah, tell, I want to hear about that. Like what you wake up and have family prayer time. Tell me about. Yeah, we, we kind of shifted. I can't remember when we started doing that, but we shifted from the nighttime. Like Mike used to read a family devotion to the kids at night. I actually didn't participate in that. That's when I got to have a moment of quiet. (laughs) So he always took the lion's share of that. And then as the kids, maybe it was once they started going to school, we just started having devotional time at the family table before. And that normally actually didn't even consist of a breakfast. Please don't picture me like making this whole breakfast for the whole family. It was just, honestly, it's amazing what you can do in five to 10 minutes to set habits in your home. Finally, what we realized, it wasn't very purposeful. It's kind of like, well, what can we pray for today? And sometimes you get stuck in the circumstances. So now we've organized some prayer cards for each day. And it's always a family member, one of us that we pray for, and that person shares their prayer request. Normally, it's a missionary that we're supporting. We pray for that missionary together. And that's been great for our kids to know, hey, we're praying for Miss Christine in Nepal. She's doing medical missions there. And they get to learn about who we support in missions. We pray for our, our work, for our bosses and our leaders. And then we try to pray for our government officials or like school principals. And th- we have different things each day. So to kind of give them the broad categories, to be praying for leaders in your life, to be praying for missionaries that you support, your church, and then your family members. So we've kind of tried to teach by example. I hope that they're just picking it up in the way we've organized family prayer each day. I love specific stuff. It's really helpful, especially for us guys. There can be sometimes <laughs> simple, but okay. So the, I want to go back to that first with the card. And you said you pick a family member. Is it each day is a different family member? That's right. We happen to have five members in our family. So it okay. worked out pretty nicely that yeah, Monday each day of the week you pray yeah. for a different member of the family. And you just pick the card and you say, okay, today we're praying for son. How old are your kids now? 
well, now uh, 21, 18, and 15. But, but we started this, and of course, our oldest is now in college, so she's not even present yeah. in, in the mornings now because she's off at college. But we, we've been doing, wow, I mean, since they were toddlers. Yeah. Um, you know, we, like Melissa said, we started at, at night. We did it before they went to bed, and then it transitioned to the mornings. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of guys are going to hear this and just think, you know, the mornings are some of the most mornings and nights are the most chaotic, you know, like I'm screaming at my kids to just get their shoes on for the 10th time and brush their teeth before we run out the door and try to get them to school. So the thought of like building, how, how did your kids respond? What did this time look like practically? Help us out for the tired dads who are like, oh my gosh, this feels well. You're right. More nights and mornings are the busiest, but they're also the only times everyone's together. Mm. So it's a, it's a bit of a of of you don't really have any other option. I mean, dad's not driving home from work in the middle of the day, and the kids yeah. aren't even there anyway if they're in school. So you got to do it in one or the other. I think nights work really well when the kids are young. Mm-hmm. You put them to bed early, let's say you know eight o'clock or whatever the kids' age is. You you get them all in the room. You give them a short devotional. And it calms them down. It quiets them before they go to sleep. And it's actually a really helpful transition to bed mm-hmm. because it's the last thing after the teeth are brushed to get you settled. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mornings are harder, I admit. But you know, my advice to the dads is don't try to teach a seminary class in the mornings. <laughs> Just do 10 minutes tops, maybe even five to 10 minutes. Get something on the table. Get something out there from, from God's word. Get some, some, some thinking about the subject and then feel good that you got that done. Don't try to save the world. And, you know, at breakfast. Um, So sometimes they overreach and then they can't sustain it. Yeah. 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 We live by this principle. Our kids have never lived in any other family than ours. Mm. So they sometimes don't know that the things we do are not things that other families aren't doing. They have no idea. So there's this wonderful thing that, you know, just like you tell them to brush their teeth twice a day. Why do they do that? Because you taught them that from a young age. So there is this sense of like when it just becomes a habit, at a younger age, in some ways, that's easier. Yeah. So when they're first going to school and you're saying, Hey, we're going to meet each morning. You need to be down here at this time or whatever. And really it's five to 10 minutes and you're Mm -hmm. just backing up your schedule just a little bit. And I think they just don't know any different. Yeah. (laughs) So sometimes it's that. Well, that's the key for for the newer dads out there. This doesn't apply to everybody. You got to start right away when they're young. Mm -hmm. Um, What you I'm not saying if you didn't do that, that you should throw in the towel and give up as if it's all over now. No, you can still do things midstream, but it is best if you have the possibility to start right away when they're, when they're young and they'll build those habits in and won't know the difference. And if I could say one thing, make it enjoyable. Look, we all have late days and we do, we do not come down hard on anybody who's having a late day. It's just like, okay, we'll pray for you while you're running around. I mean, we, Mm -hmm. this isn't, I'm really big on this, that our times teaching our Lord, teaching our kids, the scriptures and praying should be times that kids feel are the most warm in our home mm-hmm. and the most inviting in our home, that this is not a get down here now. Right, <laughs> I'm right. yelling at you and now we're going to pray. You know, it's, <laughs> right, it's not, right. it's supposed to be, Hey, I'm, Hey, I'm sorry. You're so busy, especially when you have teens, we will pray for you while you're running around getting that done. I, I just want to, I want to stress the more warm and welcoming. I was talking, we can make these times the better. I was talking to my 21 year old. We were talking about every night at dinner, we used to do the catechism with the kids. Mm-hmm. There's a new city catechism that TGC has out. We used to use the Presbyterian church in America one, which was the catechism that goes along with 
the Westminster when Westminster Catechism. Yeah. And it just asked them questions. And what I will say I loved about this, it starts out with who made you? God. What else did God make? All things. Why did God make you and all things? For his glory. One of the benefits of that, it has kids answering. So it's not just you talking at them all mm-hmm. of the time. It starts, mm-hmm. I would say, actually looking back the catechism starts a conversation that just becomes an expectation to your teenagers and they are always talking too. So it's not Mm. just that you are giving them information. They are actually giving you the answer and giving you information and you're teaching them those things. And then by the time they're in high school, it's just, it's just the flavor of your family. My daughter, we were talking about it yesterday and she was like, you know, it was really fun. Y'all never made it miserable. Again, she didn't know anything different. Yeah. And I find that kids just want to be with their parents much more than they care so much what they're doing. They just really care to have your attention. Yeah. And just for, in case any guys missed that. So the gospel coalition has the new city catechism, right? That's a resource that they can pick up and and go through with their family. There are songs that you can sing with them. Like, yeah, there's all these great resources. Yeah. So how, so you guys from a young age were praying with the kids in the mornings at night. How did that transition to, or when did you start doing that? Were you consistent in your prayer habits as a couple before you had kids? Or when did you really start to realize, you know, we should probably be praying together? Wow. Seems like a long time ago now. I don't remember. <laughs> what did uh, we do before children? I yeah, know. yeah, seriously. Was, was there a life before children? I don't know. You know what's know. funny about that? You know what's funny about that? My friends just flew in last night. I picked them up from the airport and they, we, we were driving back here to my house. And they are expecting their first child. And, uh, and I'm, I told them like everything that you've done in marriage up to this point is going to be erased from your memory. You will have no oh, yeah. recollection <laughs> of what life was like before kids, but yeah. yeah. And so then many, remember- many, many years with young kids will be erased too, just from yeah, sleep deprivation. Yeah, so totally. Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we certainly pray together as a couple before kids. I can't remember some super structure for it that yeah. was, was part of it. But I um, do remember reading Tozer in our first year of marriage at the, at the dinner table though. I don't know if you remember doing that. I remember. Vaguely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we read uh, the A.W. Tozer, the pursuit of God. Yeah. Maybe yeah. just Maybe. together. Read it. But I mean, this is exactly what this book is trying to do though, is that we didn't have any tools when we were first married that would have given us some structure. And we're hoping with the five things to pray book that it'll give some place to start. You know, we don't, we don't think it's the end all be all of prayer. Obviously there's a lot, other ways to do it. And there's other structures out there, but it's a place to begin. And we tried to, in the book, cover a bunch of different life categories. Mm. So whether you're newly married or middle married or later married, it's the kind of things that everyone we hope can say, oh yeah, I I probably can pray that for my spouse at some level. Is this something uh, couples do together? They pray together or should they read it individually or do they read it together? I think they can do either one. You know, it's set up so that you could do, you, you could do it individually, certainly pray for your spouse in your own private devotions, but you could also certainly pray as a couple together. And I have this, I wrote, this is a part of a series, the five Mm -hmm. things to pray series. And so I wrote the five things to pray for your kids. And I'll say this, I wrote it, but I use it to pray for our children. Mm -hmm. And I'll do the same thing once we get copies of this one for, Mm -hmm. for Mike, because what I realize is I tend to just pray circumstantially. I normally would be like, Oh, pray that Mike is doing well at his job or something like that. But I'm not kind of, I, I think often I forget to pray bigger prayers, scriptural prayers that the eyes of his heart might be enlightened to know the hope of the gospel. I mean, you know, I don't, I kind of just pray these little circumstantial prayers and our hope with this resource is that it will help us 
remember to pray about the things that really do matter to us that I pray, Oh, maybe he'll have an opportunity to share his faith with someone today. You know, they'll pray bigger prayers and it just helps you do that. So at the end of this, you've now prayed, you know, 21 weeks of prayers that are broader and wider than maybe we normally pray. And I think that's, it's just helpful to have tools to help us to do that. I think about this often, like what stops us at, from praying more just as people. And, and sometimes I, I think they're, I think for a couple, oftentimes you might get caught up in the, the loop where you're just like, well, we pray the same thing every day, every morning, you know, like we have our morning prayer time. And I've said like the same 10 words or 30 words, you know, every single time we pray God, thank you for today. Please be with my wife. Please protect us. Amen. You know, and it's just like, well, do it. Do we need to do this every day? Cause they just keep, God, can you just do that all week? You know what I mean? Like you just, you don't, you, you don't know what to pray. You, you, you run out of words or thoughts. So I, I love that, that there's some prompts in there to kind of help you think beyond maybe the box that you, a lot of people get stuck in. The other thing though, I think is, and I, I don't, I don't know this to be true, but in my experience, what I found, especially when I travel to other parts of the world, I've noticed they pray differently. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like they, there are times I've been in Africa and I've listened to people pray or South America. And, and you're like, they're praying to God because they, they truly, it seems like recognize that we need God to show up. And sometimes I think we've convinced ourselves. I certainly do this where I'm like, I subconsciously live my life where I don't actually believe that I need God to show up. And so prayer just becomes like a, well, I should do that because that's the right Christian thing to do in the same way that like, I should probably eat more fruits and veggies. Cause that's, that might help one day to keep me healthy. And I think there's this coming back to what we were talking about earlier. Man, not, it's not just that I want to be a husband to, that prays or a dad that prays because I'm, I'm supposed to, but I want to be connected to the reality that I, I literally can't move forward in the things that God has for me and my family without his wisdom, without the spirit of God living, empowering me to live out and to walk. Like I, I want to prayer. I like what you said when you said, Lord, I pray that he would have an opportunity to share your gospel with somebody today. Like that's, that, that's the kind of stuff. Like I need God, I need you to show up. That's a bigger prayer than me. So I guess what I'm saying is for the listener, I, more than just like developing kind of these Christian habits, what would it be like for us as men to pray big kingdom prayers for our family? You know? So I don't know. That was a little bit of a rant and a tangent. I don't know if I was going anywhere with that, but I, I well, but I think that's exactly the heart of it. I mean, you often see, we just get stuck in circumstantial prayers. And so it might be rather than just, if your wife's unhappy about something, I would love for my husband just to pray. I'd be content in all circumstances. Mm. Yeah. I mean, even if the circumstance doesn't change, even if I still have a broken oven or whatever might be <laughs> ruining what, yeah, the meal, just that he would call on God to help by his spirit, let me be content in all things. I mean, so there are so many bigger prayers. It's really a much smaller thing for the oven to get fixed. It's a much bigger thing for me to learn spiritual truths in the midst of hardship. And I think often we're stuck in the smaller things rather than asking God to do great things that spirit born fruit might be exhibited. Not just that I wouldn't be angry at my kids, but that when I am angry, I'd be loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, self-control. Mm -hmm. That's spirit-led prayer. And mm -hmm. that's going to change lives. And that lasts forever. Yeah. One just lasts for today. That's so good. 
That's so good. My, I didn't want to interrupt you. Did you want to say something too there? No, no. I mean, Melissa captured that really well. I mean, I think most people have very myopic prayers it, to the point where it's just, it's very intra, you know, self, I, I don't want to use the term self-centered as if it's inappropriate to pray for, for needs in your life. Of course it's appropriate, but there's broader kingdom missions goals there that need, need attention. And we look at a lot of biblical prayers. That's the way they are. They are they're about more macro level things. And of course, the Bible calls us to pray for both kinds of things. The problem is we just only pray for one of those mm. kinds of things often. And I think after a while, you know, that gets kind of tiresome and, and, and overly introspective. And there's no excitement in merely doing that all the time. I think where the real excitement and passion is going to be when you see God at work in the world and you're, you're, you're participating in that by asking God to do those things. Yeah, I totally agree. Like it's different. And I think both need to be happening. I love that you said, you know, both are true. And, and sometimes we just get caught up in one, but there is, it's different when I'm praying with my family, like when we've moved into a new house and we pray with the kids and we're asking God, God, would you use us in this neighborhood for your glory? And God, who would you bring into our lives? Is it which neighbor of ours or which kid on the football team or soccer team or whatever are you pursuing? And you're going to allow us to partner with you in the pursuit of their heart and the redemption of their heart. And our kids start to see themselves as missionaries, like those kinds of like, and again, it goes back to we, God, we need you to show up because you're already at work and you're doing stuff. And like, God, give us the eyes to see where your spirit's working and where we can partner with you for your glory. I, you know, I just, it feels different than God help me find my keys. Although both are, <laughs> yeah, sometimes I do need the Lord please yeah. help me find my keys, uh, you know, today, both are true. I want to go back to couples praying together and I, like you, was surprised to hear that guy's answer when he said, I do think, I like what you said, Mike, that there's this, this kind of deep intimacy happening, and that can be scary for a lot of people to enter into. And a lot of guys, like, I just don't know how to, this is new territory for me. Some people who are going to be listening to this podcast feel like their spouse is on a totally different area in their spiritual journey. And so they don't even know, like, I, I don't know how to pray for my spouse or I don't even feel like I can pray with my spouse. And some wives are listening who feel that way, their husbands, some husbands are listening feel that way with their wives. And so they're just intimidated or they just, they're just confused because they're on different spiritual planes. What would you say to that person? Well, I mean, there's a lot of marriages out there like that. I mean, mm-hmm. some people are in marriages where their spouse is not a believer. Mm-hmm. Some are in marriages where their spouse is just at a point where they're just spiritually, you know, at a different stage. Some are much more at a more mature stage than others. And so, I mean, one of the things we're hopeful for with this book is that, is that it gives you a chance to pray for your spouse, whichever circumstances they're in. I do believe we have a section in the book. And again, I'm, 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 my brain's fuzzy. I think we even have a section about conversion and about belief and about if my spouse is not a believer, that you would, you would redeem them and, and open their eyes. And so there's that built into it. But it's also just recognizing that sometimes they're just not spiritually where you are. Sometimes you may not be praying with them. You just may be praying for them. That is obviously you want a marriage where both are happening, but uh, if you don't have a spouse that's in a place like that, it may just be one of those things. I would also just want to say to, if there are any women listening, that it's okay for you to say, Hey, can we pray about that really quickly? Can I pray about that for us as a couple really quickly? Cause I know it's really hard. Often we, as women, we want our husbands to take the lead in this and but sometimes we're just helping them by reminding them, yeah. hey, we can actually ask God. That That's yeah. actually part of our role when, you know, it's all crazy and things like I might say, turn to Mike and say, hey, we're getting ready to go on a trip or whatever in the car. Hey, can we pray for the trip? That's not in any way 
like overtaking his leadership or anything like that. That's just being a helper coming yeah. along and saying, Hey, let's pray together. Because sometimes when you put all of it on your husband, it just, it's exhausting for him. And that's not actually helpful. You're, you're in it together and it's okay for a wife to say, Hey, I'm really nervous about the kids going to school for the first time tomorrow. Can I pray for them? Will you pray with me while I pray? If he's not comfortable praying out loud or, or something like that, you can still try to pray together. And sometimes as long as you're just willing to be the one doing it, they're fine with that. But I don't think we have to be afraid of doing that. You're just asking another person to pray with you as you pray out loud. And most of the time, that's going to go much better than kind of guilt tripping them or shaming them. Why don't you ever pray for us? (laughs) Yes. You just just go ahead and say, hey. Can we pray about this? Go ahead and make the cards for the family morning. Yeah. You know, go ahead and do that stuff because it's okay to do that. I think sometimes we've gotten in these weird worlds where we think, oh, he has to be the one to ask me to pray. We've just found we, we both ask each other to pray. We're, yeah. you know, we both, we both. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of artificial constraints on what it means to be the leader in the home that I think, unfortunately, get passed around out there. And people think those things are the way it has to be. And those, those, the Bible doesn't lay that laid out like that. So the, the idea that, you know, the wife's to be just sort of, well, I guess my only job here is to silently wait for my husband to do something. I mean, yes. as if she has no role in the spirituality of the family, this isn't, I don't think, accurate. Now, of course, the, the guy has his responsibility. Certainly, he should be stepping up and doing what he's doing, but that doesn't mean she has to do nothing in the meantime. And so, yeah, I think that's a great, I think that's a great reminder from Melissa on that point. And, and, you know, for the guys, if you see your wife take an initiative like that, it can spur you on. You can say, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what, I really need to to step up myself and, and, and be thinking about praying more. And that can be a great way to bless each other. Absolutely. I always, when I teach at our dad tired conferences, we do a whole section on like praying with your wife. So I'm talking to the guys and I, but I always tell them like, dude, if you go home right now and you like, just tell your wife, Hey, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with her kids. I say, always oh, just be prepared like to have another baby. Cause your wife's going to love that you, <laughs> that you're stepping up and, and, uh, and leading her in that way. So be prepared for more kids. That's a joke that lands half the time. <laughs> this is a really personal thing, subject for me, really, because my, my wife and I actually went through a very, very difficult season, really, really hard season in our marriage. And I thought we were not going to make it. And we were in the middle of a big fight and in this season. And we were arguing. And in my mind, I'm like, I was already checking out as a husband. And she had said to me, she had tears in her eyes, which was really rare for her. She never cried. And she said, Jared, I just want you to know, I've been waking up at two in the morning every morning and I go into the living room and I've been praying for you and I've been praying that God would capture your heart again. And, uh, and that was the, that was a moment that changed my life. And I really feel like God started to chip away at the hardness of my heart. And so I would just add to what the, the wisdom that you guys have already shared, but I get asked all the time from wives most often, you know, how do I, what can I do to get my husband to lead us more, to be more in love with God or whatever. But and I feel like in some ways I'm giving them the answer that they're not wanting, but man, I just truly believe like faithful, God is answering faithful prayers, especially of spouses who are praying for the salvation of their spouse. And so if you're listening and you just feel like, I don't know what to do, my spouse is not on the same page spiritually, do not diminish the power of prayer and just keep begging God. I think he, he likes answering those kind of prayers and, and don't give up on that. Thank you guys for this. This was really helpful. I think this, I, I can't wait for your book to be in the hands of our listeners so that they can use this as a tool to continue to pray together and to um, work together to lead their family toward Jesus and to become the, uh, the family being used by God in the way that 
God has for them and intends for them. Any final words or thoughts you'd want to say to our listeners before we jump off here? Well, no, we're, we're grateful for what you're doing. You know, dads need encouragement. Moms need encouragement. Any ministry that's trying to help marriages stay stronger, we're excited about. And we just hope our little book can be a, a small part of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would just say, um, don't get caught up in perfection. Get caught up in patterns. Don't think you have to do it perfectly every day. Relax and just create patterns in your home of prayerfulness. That's much better than trying to be perfect at it. We're not perfect at it, uh, but we've tried to create godly patterns in our home and shooting for that is much better than perfection. Yeah. I love that too. And I'll just say too, like a, a lot of times our prayers are really spontaneous. And some of those have been the most intimate and like powerful moments in our family is where we just stop spontaneously and let's pray about this. We need God to show up right now in this. Those have been even more powerful sometimes than our our planned prayer times. And so if you don't know where to start, maybe just try one spontaneous prayer this week as a family. Just, uh, you know, let's just stop as a family and pray right now about this thing, whatever it is, and uh, get yourself in the habit of becoming a family that prays and goes before the Lord. Thank you guys. This was so wonderful. I really appreciate you taking the time. I hope you have a great rest of your day and hopefully you can get in the same room soon (laughs) and and be together. Thank you guys again. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jared. Hey guys, if you'd like to connect with other like-minded listeners of the Dad Tired Podcast, we'd love to have you part of our community that's not on social media. You can do that by going to connect.dadtired.com. Again, that's connect.dadtired.com to jump in today. Thank you.